everybody. Get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and not Nikki Nellis. Nikki's on one of those foony boondoggle trips off into the wilderness tasting, I don't know, she's like eight restaurants a day. So I'm joined today by my son, Sam Nellis. Sam is the uh, bar director at Red Hen and the two all-purpose uh, uh, spots, one down by the water and one in Shaw. And uh, hello. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I let you Thanks talk. For That's me. it for the rest of the hour. <laughs> Quiet. Um, and we've got a great show today. I just want to say one thing. Today's Bastille Day, and uh, while it's taken on all sorts of um, mythology, it basically was a moment when people reacted to being treated badly. And while I am no advocate of, uh, of of that sort of reaction, I have to say I am so sick of what I'm seeing going on at the border. And I just want, if there's anybody listening who could do anything, it's beyond inhumane. Uh, people are dying and people are suffering. And you know, I'm a first-generation American, and I'm on this show, and I'm able to talk freely about this because of the Constitution. And I want the people who run this uh, country right now, at least part of this country, to remember that it's important to be an American first and a Republican second and not the reverse. So I've had my say. So we've got a great show today. Um, uh, I don't know, if you're a, a Top Chef watcher, then you know Eric Ajepong. I did it right. God, I'm good. Um, he and his wife, Janelle, have a, an operation called Pinch and Plate, which is a fabulous, it's really sort of a pop-up um, custom dining uh, experience that you can have in your home, at your business, wherever, but they bring it all to you, and uh, uh, it's spectacular. I read all about it. You're going to hear all about it shortly. Sultan Shakir is with us. He's the executive director of SMILE. It's an organization working uh, to support and empower lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and questioning youth in the Washington area, and uh, we're going to talk about all that they, all the good they do, but also about kind of the, the, the barriers and the problems that, that pre-teen transgender youth face and how they help them. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, an old buddy of mine and ours is Paul Dom. He ran Brain Food for years, Urban Gardens and all that for kids. Now he's got a great thing called Work Chew. Uh, they create co-working spaces in restaurants uh, during off-peak hours. So imagine your favorite restaurant at lunchtime when it's really a dinner place. Now it's like a kind of like a Starbucks. Yeah, all right. Paul's nodding, so that's good. So uh, we have to, even though Nikki's not here, got to uh, acknowledge an obvious fact. Women are amazing, and a group called Amazing Women, uh, they're women advocates, chefs, restaurant owners, and managers, are sponsoring a fundraiser called Amazing Women to raise money to help support kids at the border. Diane Gross is a, the, a powerful force behind that. Uh, you know Diane from Cork Wine Bar, along with her, my buddy and her hubby, Colin Pitts, she's smiling, and Diane's going to tell us all about that uh, that event and that group. And last but not least, Beth Cover is here. Beth is the wine manager at Wardman Wines. They've just lawn, launched uh, Wardman Circle, which is a wine club, and she's going to tell us all about it. And we said you can come in and tell us all about it as long as you bring all them wines. So they're here, and we're we're drinking them now. Uh, first, let's go over to Mitch Berliner at Central Farm Markets. He's with Josh Karen. Uh, they're going to be. You guys are doing a farm-to-table dinner in Poolsville, right? Yes. Um, I'll just tell you very quickly. Uh, thanks for having us on the air again. 
Um, I kind of miss the uh, badgering back and forth between you and your bride. Don't but, worry, uh, Sam, Sam will badger you know, me in our plan. I'm getting the okay. <laughs> I mean, he's he's sure. I feel better. I feel better already. So I'll just tell you, it's an absolute glorious day, crowded as could be. Uh, both at the Bethesda and the Nova Central Farm Markets today. We got a in Bethesda. We got a pop-up art project for kids and adults. We always like to mix it up, do interesting things. We have an amazing jazz band with a singer. And as far as what's available at markets, it's pretty simple. It'd be easier if I told you what's not available: uh, strawberries. Because just about everything else is all kinds of melons and berries and peaches, nectarines. All varieties of plums, different varieties of corn. Well, here, my, wait, my, I can go on and on. My particular jam is tomatoes. How many different varieties of tomatoes do you have out there? We probably have, I'd say, about a dozen types of cherry tomatoes and a dozen types of uh, heirloom tomatoes. Nice. All different kinds. Nice. Yeah. And so it's, we've, we've got people who make value added stuff with market product, like gazpacho, our soup lady. Um, so we've got just, I mean, this is the time of year to come. I wish, is, I only wish everything. that you could deliver. That would be the cat's butt as far as <laughs> well, I can see. Well, next, next week we will. <laughs> bring something. Yeah, next week uh, Josh is going to be in studio talking more about the farm-to-table dinner. Josh, just give, give us, we got to keep moving, but give us the top line on that dinner. Okay. Well, okay. So top, Josh is going to tell you right now. Top line is, is during the Montgomery County Ag Tour July 27th at the Poolsville Golf Course, we're going to be doing a farm-to-table dinner benefiting manna. We're going to have live music. We're going to have uh, great food from all of the farmers at the Central Farm Market. Uh, we're going to also highlight several farms from the Ag Reserve. Um, $150 per person, sit-down, glasses, dishes, spirits, alcohol, beer, where can you go get dinner for 150 bucks? where it includes everything, plus live music, dancing, in the Ag Reserve, benefiting a great organization. I'll dive into it deeper with you next week in the studio. I'm thinking I might come to the market beforehand, grab a couple things, make some dishes. Tomatoes. Uh, can, uh, <laughs> I, I hear you have some cherry tomatoes <laughs> and some heirlooms. Guys, we got to move on. Thank you. Um, and uh, just... Just in case everybody uh, needs uh, to know, yeah, it's Central Farm Market. com, and Central there's information. com. Yes. All right, and information and about the dip. You, you won't let me finish, to, go Mitch. To Eventbrite. All right. Go, go to Eventbrite and search Poolsville Farm Dinner. Great. You'll find all of the details. All right, Josh. Thanks, boys. All Thank right. You. Have a great day. You Thank too. You. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. I love Mitch. He can't stop. Um, that's probably right, like so him. He reminds you Eric, of yourself. Let's step to it. So, um, um, Eric Ajepong. Yes. Ah, so good. <laughs> and his stunningly beautiful wife with their stunningly beautiful new baby. Thank uh, you. Uh, Janelle, you guys, you know, first uh, we have to say, I mean, because it's, it's like, it's like winning, you know, the MLB, you know, home run <laughs> derby season 16 finalist. Yeah. Have you recovered? Um, I feel like the elevator or the elevator, the, the roller coaster is still kind of clicking up, you know, That's cool. um, and it's going to drop soon. So, uh, still kind of relishing with everything that happened. Um, what was but, the actual filming? What? Oh man. So we did this a little bit over a year ago now. Um, and we've wrapped up around early June. 
July. Oh, July, sorry. Wow. Early July. Um, she knows because you were gone. I was <laughs> <laughs> Exactly right. I think she was in her second. Every, third trimester. Third trimester. Say, yeah, every yeah, cut yeah. that you made, she's like, damn. <laughs> exactly. Couldn't you wait for the second kid? Yeah. Um, so I got back and it was straight baby mode after that. We got the, you know, uh, Lennox came and then really Ooh, the, she, and then she was here so he yeah. really didn't have time to like alright well zero adjustment. let's <laughs> talk about Pinch and Play because yeah. what, what you know what, this show's been on almost 12 years I mean we see a, a lot of people who've been on yeah, and done well on even some who haven't done that well on uh, Top Chef who then the first thing they do is they go get investors and pop open a restaurant sure yeah so what was your thinking with Pinch and Plate and why didn't you follow that track man so we actually started pinch and plate about 2015 right um it was kind of like a fluke thing we janelle at the time we were dating and she wanted to do a dinner party for her girlfriend so as any uh girl kind of showing off to her friends as a boyfriend with the chef as a chef um she wanted to kind of you know play it out that's or whatever. right just use him the way, <laughs> exactly. the, way, the way we're all used that's all it is I mean, um so unbeknownst to me though i had no idea about her like decorating skills and how well she can put a tablescape and everything together so uh, once I remember I finished prepping and turned the corner and saw how beautiful she decked everything out and just set the ambiance. What does he want? That's the question. What does he want? Yeah, because he's being, he's um, polishing that <laughs> apple pretty good. <laughs> I mean, this is I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. Like, she's, she's good at what she does. Yeah. And we, we paired up and to be honest, it kind of just skyrocketed from there. Yeah. A friend asked us if we could do the same thing at their home. And then we were trying to figure out like, oh my God, like how much would we charge for this? Yeah. Then it kind of turned into a business because we, it was kind of like... Well, let's talk about the concept. What what makes it, you know, what differentiates it from other folks who come to your house and put on a meal? It's not quite a catering service. It's not quite a restaurant. Um, We come and we offer a very specific kind of uh, intimate feel um, to a dinner party experience. Is there consultation ahead of time? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, if you're a host, you reach out, um, you're more than likely going to speak to Janelle. Um, and they're going to give you, um, hey, I'm having a 50th. I'm having a wedding reception. I'm having whatever you want to throw at her. Um, how many people, this is the kind of look and feel I'm looking for, and then things get transferred off to me um, when we talk about menu. And um, we can go as nitty-gritty as far as, like, we had a dinner party for a group of friends that haven't seen each other in, like, 12, 15 years or something like that. And they had this inside joke about pound cake and, like, vanilla ice cream. So we'll incorporate stuff like that um, and really make it a unique experience. Something that I hope the want. joke is funnier than the thought of no, pound cake. No, no. <laughs> and vanilla ice cream. It was an inside. Because I like pound cake and vanilla ice cream. It's not that funny. It's, I, right, exactly. Maybe but if you've smoked a couple of somethings. You, possibly, you know, right, <laughs> yeah. Um. So after after you kind of deal with Eric and the menu and everything, then you kind of come back to me and we talk about like the day itself. Yeah. You know, the lighting, the music, um, the type of plates all that type of, you know, all the smaller details, and then we show up that day and basically implement what you So what do you do? I mean, do you have to go to, like, D.C. Rental or one of those places to get silverware and plates and all? No, we have all that. We have everything. We bring everything. You have everything? We have everything. Spoons and everything. Glasses, spoons, plates, (laughs) everything. We have everything. So the only thing you really need to do is provide us a space and a kitchen. That's it. We clean up and leave as if we're never there. Yep. Wow. <laughs> how, how far ahead of time are people making these plans with you? Are you booked um, out What year? are they trying to Top do? Top Chef kind of helped out with a little yeah. bit of spacing uh-huh. as far as, you know, people booking in advance. But um, we can normally get things done with like a three-week, if it's tight and we have availability. Like three weeks? But some, like, when he was on the show, people have tried to do like a year out, six months right, out. So yeah. we had to kind of cut it down. So we were only allow reservations to be made about two months out because there's the only way with his schedule and all that he's doing. We want to make sure that we don't have to cancel on right. you. So we have exactly. to do two months out. Now, my my house is we have a we have an okay kitchen. We have a small <laughs> house. We have an okay kitchen. Yeah. What can you do in my okay kitchen? So 
funny enough, man, I, I literally have everything that you would want in a professional kitchen dehydrator, like liquid nitrogen. You really do have everything. I have everything. <laughs> and and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we from really do have everything. Spoons, right. Um, so we bring it. You know, it's, everything is pretty much prepped 80, 90%. It's really cool. Yeah. And then we bring it. And truly, we've worked in some tight kitchens. We worked in some. We really started lavish. in the tight kitchen. We in started Harlem. in the tight kitchen. Uh, exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> Smallest group would be either some lonely dude having dinner by himself or a couple. What about on the large side? I mean, how how the smallest we do is eight now. Yeah, and how large can I mean uh, the biggest one we've done? I mean, if somebody's doing an event for 150 people, will you do it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. We could do it. That's right. Yeah. We have, so we can. Yeah, <laughs> but then that's when we would honestly potentially incorporate a rental company because at right. that point, I need to see the space. It might need to be decked out the whole nine. So, yeah. All right. Well, in a minute, we're going to take a break and we'll come back to you. But very best party story. The number one best story of all your stuff. Um, come on, man. No pregnant pauses. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. All right. What's your biggest horror story? Without Big, naming names, of course. Uh, we were a part of a uh, wedding reception that ended in like three months later or something like that. It was pretty yeah. sad. <laughs> That's pretty sad. That was pretty bad. That was pretty what, bad. What, the, the marriage ended or the yeah, reception? Yeah, the yeah. marriage. Oh, I thought you meant the reception went for <laughs> 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 So it was, because it's people that we know. So yeah, so, it was so that was kind of like, a bummer. Yeah, well, to be part of that and then have it just. Yeah. Marriage yeah. is like baseball. You got to take a couple cuts at the ball. I <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to take a break. This is uh, David Nellis and Sam Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back after these important words. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David Nellis and Nikki Nellis in absentia. So what did we need? Another Nellis. So we got Sam Nellis. He's the bar director at Red Hen and the two all-purpose restaurants. Aren't you? I sure am. Gosh, look. You nailed it again. A kid is a natural on radio. <laughs> a natural. All right, so Eric and Janelle, the first thing I said was when I introduced you is that usually people from you know who get Top Chef fame immediately open a restaurant, but you guys didn't do that. Yeah, and now you're gonna open a restaurant. There <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we—it's nice to kind of keep the control in your hands, um, but this—it comes at a certain point. We just gotta scale, right? And, and this is the time to do it. All right. Yeah. Well, it is when you're famous, baby. <laughs> Fame. So yeah, we're looking at a couple of spots. Um, I like the Shaw neighborhood. I like Adams Morgan as well. Um, but wherever it's gonna be, I just want to bring a Shaw's lot. Shaw's where the density of of desire and dining, you know, dining out action is these days. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of the new 14th Street, but Adams Morgan needs it. Mm. They need something, you know. There's a lot there, but it could they, definitely use a little bit more. Need to tick up and uh, I think either way is a plus, man. I think the folks in both neighborhoods really rep for for their neighborhoods um, and they support their own, right? So um, wherever it's going to be, whether it's Shaw, Adams Morgan, or anywhere in between, um, I just want to continue to bring that flavor and those profiles that are super unique to, to me and, and West Africa and just keep spreading the gospel. So, yeah. Cool. So, I you know what? Like, talk a little. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, sorry. I just, I just feel like I also have to rep for East of the River if there's any. Um, as a, <laughs> if I know it's a, a, a tougher thing than Shaw or Adams Morgan because there's already an establishment there. But no doubt. We talk about places that need restaurants. Uh, yes. Yeah. Restaurants. I know what you mean. So, I know what you mean. Exactly. Yeah, 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 I know yeah, what yeah, you yeah, mean. Right. Yeah. Eric's, like, Eric's like, yeah, you're right, you're right. I'm going to Shaw or Adams Morgan. <laughs> um, uh, talk, you know, I've got about a minute left. Just yeah. a little bit about, you know, the sort of the, the style of the cuisine that, you, you know, you, you, your number one preference. Yeah. Um, so my folks come from Ghana. Um, I'm first generation, as you are uh, as well. Um, so I just grew up with heavy influence of just, you know, deep spices, grounded spices, 
um, mixed with heat, you know, um, and everything. In between bring that. the heat. Bring the heat, yeah. So everything across the diaspora, um, the Caribbean, uh, a little bit of the South as well is what I kind of focus on. I'm sitting here. I'm on one of those very restrictive diets. I am literally salivating just <laughs> to talk about it. But you look great. You've lost so I know. much weight. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Can one of you empty my drool cup? <laughs> All right. Well, tell everybody how to find you guys yeah. uh, uh, because these these pop-up parties sound like a ton of fun. I appreciate it. Uh, so we're at Pension Plate, www.pension.com. P-I-N-C-H-A-N-D-P-L-A-T-E dot com. Um, Instagram, Facebook, all the now, same. Now, is yeah. it pinch, a pinch of salt and not because Janelle comes over and pinches you if you put a plate <laughs> on your head? It's Probably like, a little bit of both, yeah. right? Pinch in terms of like decor and yes, plate, yes. of course. Right, you got to see her nails. They're like <laughs> fangs. All right. Okay, guys, thanks. Uh, so let's talk wine. We're going to come back to you. Step up, Beth. Beth Cover is... Uh, what did I put? The wine, what are you? The wine director? I am the wine manager. The wine manager. A director yes. so much better. You want to be a director? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. So talk a little bit about Wardman Wines and then why this wine club? Because you guys have been a wi- around a while. It's- three years. Yeah. A little over three years. Uh, so our owner was a fleeing tax attorney. He decided to open a wine shop in D.C. He was a what tax attorney? A fleeing he didn't like, want to be a tax attorney oh, anymore. I thought, he, I, thought, I thought he was leaving the country. Yeah, <laughs> he moved to the Cayman Islands. He did. And then he decided wine. Uh, well, he does live overseas now because his wife is part of the State Department. So, uh, so that's why I'm here as well. But it's really an independent store. He wanted to make it easy and comfortable for people to learn about wine. Simple as that. Okay, so the wine club, actually, why'd you wait three years to do a wine club? Well, opening a store is actually quite involved, so (laughs) it took a lot to just get a feel for the neighborhood. Uh, Brookland is where we are, and so it's just been a fun, incredibly supportive place to open an independent wine store, and we just wanted to get a feel for our customers. Got it. All right, well, before we get, because I want to get later on into the details of the wine club, Mm -hmm. but talk a little bit about you. Where'd you, how'd you come to this? You're a history major, and... Well, actually, I was a philosophy major. (laughs) Same thing. Same thing. (laughs) My job prospects were somewhat limited. (laughs) Same thing. Uh, At UVA, and there was around the corner from me a very small, very cute wine shop, and I needed a job. So I went in. They made an incredible recommendation for Chinese food and Riesling, and I was struck. So ever since then, I've been wanting to learn about wine. I see you got Chinese food in your pocket there. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so uh, tell us about this first wine. This is terrific. Well, one thing I brought this wine because so many people worry about what a great wine is, but sometimes it's just where you are. And for me, Chocolina is incredibly wonderful in the middle of the summer when it's 95 degrees outside. It's low in alcohol. It's bright. It's fresh. And it's got a little effervescence to it. So. And from which region? We are in the Basque region in northern Spain. This is actually a fifth-generation winemaker, and he's taking the tradition of the region and making the wine and spreading it around the world. So this is not something you would find anywhere else in the world it's except delicious. for Bath. I, I confess, you, you, the, the person with the educated wine palate is Nikki, and she's probably drinking wine right. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or sitting around with a, I mean, it's a fantastic a jar of Woolite. I don't know what she's doing, but, <laughs> but um, um, I mean, I get fruitiness, and I get, the, the aftertaste of this is very – it's – I don't know how what the, what the right what was that dumb word you came up with? Hammery. I don't know. Forget Sam. <laughs> but because it reminded me, it's very aromatic. I mean, it's yes, very. Yes, it it's pretty one. Good acid, long structured finish. It's Taking good. Acid on this show? Yeah, that's right. It's bad boy. That's how I get prepared to hang out with you. Terrific. Yes. But it's got a and what's it go for a bottle? Uh, this is twenty one ninety nine. Very reasonable. 
Yes. Terrific. Okay. Well, we're going to keep drinking. Who's up next? Come on. Sultan. Sultan. Step up, baby. So, Sultan Shakir is a, I would say that you are, um, what's the best way? You're a kind soul because you've dedicated your life to helping people who need a lot of help acclimating and coping. Thanks. Fair, I appreciate fair that. Thing. Um, Sultan is the executive director of Smile. It's S-M-Y-A-L, supporting and mentoring youth advocates and leaders. But you're, um, you know, you're particularly focused on helping LGBTQ teens and preteens. That's right find themselves really yeah that's so, right so talk a little yeah so we run an organization that as you said works with lgbtq youth uh we work with youth who are 16 up to 24 or i'm sorry 6 to 24 and with the younger youth we really found that there were a lot of parents and social workers and teachers who had young people who were just trying to figure out who they were and there are a lot of counseling services for young people and a lot of mental health services for young people to really explore who they are. But there weren't a lot of safe social spaces where young people just come and be who they are and like hang out with other queer kids and and just be fine being themselves. And so we started a program called Little Smiles that works with youth who are six to 12. Which, I mean, we were talking before the show there. Uh, what's the word to put it? Their situation mm-hmm. is so much different than than teens who candidly have had to sort of battle through until into their teen years. Yep. I mean, what do you sort of confront with a, a seven-year-old who finds out that he or she is in the wrong body? So what we confront with seven-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, so what they're really finding out is that they are who they are and it may not match the gender that they were assigned at birth. And so they're really just looking for acceptance. And so a lot of times it's not really a question for them of who they are. The question is, how is everybody else going to accept me? Yeah. So what's going to happen when I talk to my parents about the fact that I'm trans? What's going to happen when I tell my friends that, hey, like you may have identified me as a boy, but I'm actually a girl and I start wearing different clothing. Like that's really what goes through their mind is like, what's everybody else going to say? Well, and also, and and this is not to, to, to drag you on the air, but you know, you're an older person. Uh, you would think of it I'm as I'm going to kill you. You are. You're old. <laughs> it's radio. Um, everybody's young. You are, you, right. We're all the same age when it's just our voices. Um, but like even using phrases like, you know, they're in the wrong body is something that like you wouldn't, right. you know, in the, in your space, you wouldn't be talking about, oh, That's right. you're yeah. in the wrong body. Even body dysmorphia is not necessarily present in everybody that is trans. So... Yeah. You know, so it you know that probably it's about okay, creating a space that, that's a little I, bit more. I appreciate that. Yeah, of, maybe of terminology. Maybe right? what that's I mean right, is yeah. when I look in the mirror, I don't see the real me. How's that? Is that true? Or it's how society so, sees me. Right. That's right. right. Yeah, it's when I look in the mirror. When someone expects me to show up, they expect me to show up in a different way than I want to show up. Got it. So someone told me that I was a boy, but I may not be a boy or somebody expects me to choose between being a boy and a girl. And I don't really identify on that binary or that each of those terms means something specific and you can only fit into it in a certain way. Right. Right. Like there are plenty of boys who still just want to wear dresses and makeup and hair and things like that. And they still want to be boys. And so that's really what it's about is like allowing people to be who they are, dress the way that they want and just feel comfortable being themselves. So. Along with counseling, you also, I mean, you're really going the extra mile. You provide some housing too, right? We do, yeah. So two years ago, we started a program for youth who are experiencing homelessness. And that's because in most major cities, including D.C., almost half of the youth who are on the streets identify as being LGBTQ. And that's for a number of reasons. One, just there are more 
queer youth who are running away from their homes because they're not safe or they're being thrown out of their homes, but also in a city like D.C. where there's so many resources for the community, we see a lot of kids who are coming from D.C. We've had kids from other countries who've come um, to our housing program because they had nowhere else to go. What do you estimate the population of, of homeless LGBTQ kids, teens and, and, and younger than that is on our streets? So we do a survey every year in D.C., and the number comes up to anywhere between 34 and 43 percent. And we think that's actually low because that number is based on us actually going out and talking to kids on the street. In raw numbers, what would that be? I mean. Oh, it's in the hundreds. Yeah. Jeez. Terrible. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So uh, talk about your partnership. I, I noted here you have a partnership with Centerlink. We do. That, yeah. Uh, connecting. uh Youth providers like you know, youth service providers like you guys, but on a national, like on a networked basis. Yeah. So we started a program called QChat Space for youth who can't access our programs. We have a really great um, youth center in Eastern Market where young people can come and they have drop-in programs there. However, we see a lot of youth who can't make it for a number of reasons. They don't have the financial resources. They live too far away. They're concerned about their parents or their friends finding out that they're coming to um, a queer youth center. And so we started a program called QChat Space where young people can go online and just interact with other young queer people from really around the country. And it's facilitated by adults um, who are trained volunteers and staff people and can keep the the space safe. And so they can just interact with other young people and, again, just have a space where they're themselves and they're – no, everything's fine. That's great. Thank God there's there's you and a group like yours out there helping these kids. Thanks. All right, so let's tell everybody how it's Smile is S M Y A L. That's right. And where do we find you online and physically in the city? And it's S M Y A L dot org. Our main office is right off the Eastern Market Metro stop on Seventh Street. You can find all that info at S M Y A L dot org. Terrific. All right. Thanks for everything. Thanks a lot for having yeah, us. Well, are we going to take a break? We're going to take a break. This is David Nellis and Sam Nellis and Foodie and the Beast. We're going to listen to a couple of very important messages that are going to make you want to buy stuff, and then we'll be back. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David Nellis and Sam Nellis sitting in for the lovely, effervescent, but absent Nikki Nellis. I like to think of it as old Nellis and young Nellis. That may be how you like to you keep it up. There won't be any young Nellis. Old Nellis and dead Nellis. Uh, all right. Quiet, boy. Um, uh before we get back to the show, I just want to thank our sponsors, the guys at ProFish, Best Sustainable Seafood, East of the Mississippi, Ivy City Smokehouse, uh, the market at River Falls, Meat Crafters, and Central Farm Markets. Thanks for sponsoring the show. So let's go back to Beth Cover. Beth, um, Wardman Wines has started a wine club. Yes, it has. Take it away. Tell okay. us about it. Well, essentially, we wanted to give people an opportunity to experience and learn a little bit more about wine. Uh, without making it too tough or too hard. So we've picked three wines. You get three sheets that give you a lot of information and food pairings about it. But also it comes with the circle as opportunities to come and meet the winemakers, come to wine dinners. Oh, fun. As well as get discounts on seminars. So there's two tastings that are free each month designed just to help you learn about more about wine and what we've put in the box. So I confess I haven't been to Wardman Wine, so... Coming in, I mean, do you treat it almost like it's a tasting room? I mean, can you come in and taste this, flights of wine? And So the store is actually quite expansive for a wine store. The owner didn't want anybody bumping into bottles of wine and feeling they would need to knock something down to get to the store. So there's wide aisles, and in the middle of the store is a large tasting bar. Uh, but there's plenty of room to walk around. Now, is that for see. special events, or if I walk in and I, want, I just got a, a hankering to try your three newest Tuscan wines? I'm making it up. 
We are glad to open bottles of wine for anyone in the Good store. Girl. So we want people to come and taste. That is the key key to the store. Well, maybe you'd like to establish the David Nellis Memorial Wine Tasting Stool <laughs> at that table. I'll be in. You, you have yeah, we to have go two, first. Two I'll strong go. Italian. Most wine stores, you know, you're buying wine, but you're not tasting. No, we want you to taste. That's how you find what you like. But this this tax attorney must have come to his senses at some point. <laughs> I mean, all right, so what did you pour for us? Well, we want to have fun, so we decided we would pour something a little different. Wait, wait, wait. You're not having fun already? You need the wine? Yes, I do. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to kill me. <laughs> we have a Malbec from the southwest of France in Cahors, but this is a little different. It's a pet nat rosé, so they trap the um, the wine that's already fermenting into the bottle, and they let that pressure build up. So it's a little fizzy. It feels really refreshing. It's highly aromatic again, but something a little bit different if we're getting tired of this rosé. This is a rosé with a little fizz and a little bit more aromatic. It's than delicious. The it's very hip right now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all about the pet gnats for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something you want to be inoculated against, actually. A pet nap? A pet nap? I wish our pet would nap. It's driving me crazy. Oh, all right, so we have a new dog. Puppy. She doesn't sleep. All right, so now we're going to talk about something else, something really cool. Work chew. Paul Dom is an old buddy of mine in Nikki's. Uh, he ran brain food for how many years? 15 years. Started when I was 10. Damn. Should I call it brain drain at this point? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of... that's what my wife calls yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's he, he just had and bank an account idea. drain as well. I mean, when did you and I first meet to talk about this idea? This is like a year ago, wasn't it? Yeah, we a little were... over a year ago. So I left brain food about 18 months ago, and this was sort of percolating with, with two other partners. Where were we? Unconventional diner, and you were telling me about it. So tell them the whole concept. It's so, yeah, so, so thanks for having me. Um, sorry to miss Nikki. Um, but, uh, work you, we create co-working spaces in restaurants during their off peak hours. So if you think about the kind of pain points we're looking at, there's probably 30 or 40 million people that work remotely, at least some of the time. And they're all trying to seemingly get into a Starbucks. Right. And so at the same time, you have restaurants with empty real estate during, during some parts of the day. And you probably have 30 or 40 million empty restaurant seats at 2 p.m. across the country. So, so we're trying to match these people up. That have open for lunch, but that you could fire off a cannon and not hit anybody? Correct. Or they're just staying closed? Correct. Most of our, so all of our restaurant partners are already open for lunch. But even, you know, D.C. doesn't seem to be much of a lunch town, right? That, that a lot of places, they want to stay open. They want to be good members of the neighborhood. Um, I live in the 14th Street neighborhood. I love the places that are open for lunch because um, it creates that foot traffic and makes the area more vibrant. But but nobody's really killing it. Very few people are killing it at lunch, especially full service. And and so our goal is to drive new traffic to those restaurants during the afternoons, drive some new revenue that wouldn't be there otherwise. Well, if, if for example, anybody who's ever been to the Line Hotel in the lobby, that's Eric Bruner Yang's right. restaurant. But during the day, people come in there with their laptops and their cell phones. They sit they, on the couch with their dog and they work. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so basically what you're seeing is this trend of, of trying to uh, leverage underutilized space, right? So, so I spent 20 years in the nonprofit world. I know how to squeeze every, every ounce of value out of everything. You know how to make a profit, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, right, That's right, it. right. We, we made payroll for 15 years. Um, but, but essentially, like, you don't waste anything in that, in that sector. And, and restaurant business is a tough business, right? It's a cool business. It's a fun business. But the margins are thin. Real estate costs are going up. And so, so how do you maximize that asset? And restaurants have underutilized real estate. And so how do we match these groups of people together and drive new traffic, help them activate these spaces? Um, you know, a lot of our restaurant partners, um, the first thing they said it was, can we put your people in the front window? Because people follow people. Sure. And so, so how do you activate the space? And so all kinds of businesses 
I mean, think about Uber and Airbnb, right? Those are underutilized resources that people try to figure out how to squeeze some more value out of. And we're seeing that across the entire economy with sharing economy, gig economy, all that. So if I am able to work remotely and I don't have an office or if I'm going to be downtown, you know, how do I – Sign on to work too, and who are the restaurants? Yep. Which are the restaurants yep. participating in all? So, that? so we we launched in DC. Um, we've been in sort of a soft rollout while we build a restaurant network and get the app ready. Our our app is going to be ready to launch in about ten days. We're super excited. So, so just to back up a little bit. You pull it up on your phone, whatever neighborhood you're in, you'll find one of our work shoe partners in your neighborhood. You can reserve a seat before you go. We've already d- discussed with the restaurant kind of how many seats are going to be available, whether the Wi-Fi is good so you know you're going to have good, reliable Wi-Fi. And we've already negotiated some sort of a discount with the restaurant to encourage our members to spend. So who... Do I pay to be a member of WorkChu? Yeah, so WorkChu, we we get revenue. We make money off the membership fee. So you pay. You can do a daily pass. You can choose one neighborhood. So you can pick 14th Street. And I know we have Diane here from Cork. Cork is one of our restaurant partners. So you could pick 14th Street as your neighborhood home base. And you could work at Cork or the second the second floor at Matchbox on 14th Street. That could uh, be your neighborhood. Cork. Right. Yeah. But there are two different, two different vibes, right, and two different kinds of food. Or you can pay $50 a month and have access to every restaurant on the network as many hours as you want. So there's no limit. So, I mean, when you put that up against rent. Well, I mean, you think yeah. about like, like I think our competition is is people feeling isolated and working at their kitchen table. It's co- coffee shops, which like, we, how often do we say, let's meet for coffee, right? But you end up finding, trying to find two seats together. They don't really want you to linger because their model needs you to turn over and get out of there. So the Wi-Fi off it isn't, isn't reliable right, or shuts off after that. Here's my question. Let's say, well, oh, sorry, go ahead, you, Sammy. Well, I was going to say, so it's great also for like, you know, you work from home, but you need to have a meeting. Correct. And so you say, okay, hey, the four of us, I just wor- looked up on uh, WorkChew, yep. you know, that there's four seats at this restaurant right. that's near all you of us. You can block a two-hour window, and yeah. you know you're going to have a Let's, seat when you we'll walk in. we lunch. We'll, you yes. know, the Wi-Fi is great, so we'll be able to do that presentation. Right. So the you can only be question, cli- here's the question, though. I'm, I'm there. I'm working remotely. I got to make a call. Do I have to get up and get out? I mean, you know It depends what? on the restaurant. Like, I mean, if you're at Matchbox on the second floor, that space is huge. So it's pretty easy to find privacy there. It just depends on, you need to kind of understand the vibe of the place that you're in. Um, so a smaller place, it might be a little harder. You might want to step outside. Um, generally, what will happen is you'll have a community of work shoot people because they all sit together. So you'll say, hey, will you watch my stuff for a minute? I'm going to go run and make a got call. It. Cool. All right. So Give us a, an idea of some of the restaurants that are participating. Yeah, so, I mean, you start, like, uh, Upper Georgetown, Glover Park, Castellare, all the way down to the Riverfront and Navy Yard with Kaliwa, Declaration Nats Park, Marini. We hope they get open very soon after the fire. We have, as I mentioned, Cork and Matchbox on 14th Street, Shaw's Tavern, MXDC, uh, Bar Deco, Penn Common. So we, we have pretty yeah. good spread all around the you're city, including well. the suburbs. Are we have about 31 saw, restaurants. Are you the one I saw pull up in that Bentley in the park? Yeah, uh, no. Remember 20 years in the nonprofit world? Yeah, you've been yeah. holding out on me. <laughs> yeah, man. yeah, yeah. All right. So, um, and what about is I pay the membership fee? What does that get me at the restaurant? Does it get me off-price food or anything? Yeah. Like so that? every restaurant. So the deal is you have to designate a set number of seats, so we know what they are. We know that the Wi-Fi is good, and you have to offer some sort of discount. But it's up to the restaurants to determine the number of seats, the hours, and the discount. Um, and so, so we sort of negotiate with everyone, and I think what will happen is restaurants will start competing with each other. The goal is to have a couple of places in every neighborhood so you have that variety. So that's the goal is, like, lots of variety, lots of flexibility for especially young millennial workers, um, but also that predictability of finding a spot. Got it. Pretty cool idea. I think so. See? <laughs> You put the brain in brain food. All right, tell everybody how to find WorkChew. Yeah, so WorkChew.com, W-O-R-K-C-H-E-W.com. Uh, my email is P-A-U-L-D-A-H-M at WorkChew.com. There's a contact form at the bottom of the homepage. You can catch us there. Um, we're, we're recruiting new members now. 
Um, obviously still looking for some restaurants, but we have pretty good coverage in D.C. Um, we're also uh, starting in Chicago. We're launching well, in Chicago. That. You, rolled, you told me you, you Yeah, we've got 10 this. restaurants in Chicago now. Chicago's a much bigger market, so yeah. we need more coverage before we do a full-on launch. But like I said, the app will be ready in about 10 days. Um, full-on digital marketing campaign starting very soon. Um, and we're super excited, and thanks for the opportunity. I know what you need. An ad agency, but that's yeah. another conversation. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Pre-revenue, pre-revenue. <laughs> okay, but but we'll talk. All right, Paul. All right. Congratulations, because yeah. you know Appreciate it's it. great to leap from one successful thing to the next. That's and I good. and and you know the one thing I said is I wanted to figure out how to stay connected to the food and beverage sector because that's where my friends are and it's you the coolest it people out. to hang out with. I eat and drink well still, um, so so that's a huge bonus. So most of this is selfishly driven. It's in everything. Okay. Cheers. Thanks. Diane Gross, step up to the plate. How are you? I'm good. How are you? So, again, I'm good. Thank you. Uh, again, Diane and her husband, Khaled, own Cork. The Cork Empire, I guess, is the way to put it, isn't it? <laughs> should, I, should I be honest? Growing, yes. Yes. But this isn't really about Cork, is it? No. Um, last year, when um, families were being separated at the border, a friend of mine, Sasha Bruce, and I started talking about how devastating we thought it was and how upset we were this was happening in the United States. And so we um, decided to get a bunch of progressive women advocates together and a bunch of women chefs and restaurant owners and managers and throw a fundraiser. And the goal was really to help some of the smaller nonprofits at the border who are doing direct services and helping families. And so about a month and a half ago, we started talking again and we were like, we got to do this again. And to our devastation, right, that this is still happening. And even worse, obviously, worse. With the situation in yeah. the um, in the detention centers and just what was happening with the children. It was just so, I mean, we're both mothers. It's really heartbreaking. I mean, it's so upsetting. Um, and so we were like, can we do it? Can we do it? And we just decided we had to do it. Um, so, and I'm so proud to say that this year we got even more chefs and managers and restaurant owners to help out, more women to donate. Um, we've already exceeded what we raised last year, and we're hoping to raise even more. Um, and we're helping four small nonprofits that are working at the border. Um, one of them is also working locally that we also helped last year. And the reason for doing this is um, a lot of people are donating money and being supportive and trying to help, but bringing all the money together in solidarity and giving a chunk to these groups that are so small is you know, life-saving for them because they can really direct it towards services in a big way rather than donations that just sort of roll in that they're not sure of. Well, you, you, I want to talk about the event specifically. We're mm -hmm. going to come back from a commercial. But, I mean, is this a group that is going to – is there enough cohesion here for this group? To, I mean, it's good that people are coalescing to – I mean, to at least speak with a louder voice. Right. I, and that's one of the things I'm going to jump in here that, that is really problematic for me. I mean, I made that little speech at the start of the show, but uh, we have a – friend who's a, a, a news anchor and I was saying to him, you know, one of the problems with being, we have free speech but you can't reach anybody to speak to him. Right. I mean, try try calling the White House. Try calling, you know, Mitch McConnell's office. Try calling any any of these people, you know, and you get a busy signal and you can send an email but it goes off into the cyber darkness and you exactly. know, you go by their office. There's nobody to talk to. Right. And, and it just amazes me. I mean, these the people that are doing this are also Husbands and parents and grandparents. I mean, the president, imagine if it's your daughter and your, your child at the border. Right. Well, and all they're so trying shocking. to do is get a better life. Right. It's so shocking that we're a nation of immigrants. I mean, all of us, with few exceptions, have uh, families that have immigrated from somewhere or another. Um, 
you know, I have family that died in the Holocaust. And so Hello. seeing detention centers and the start of it is just so, I mean, it's it, it's like you just say, how can this be happening in my country? Like, it's not even possible. Well, we've but done, it is, listen, and that's the America, I mean, thing. we've detained the, the, the Japanese right. Americans. We, we don't have a great record on that. Right. But it's the conditions that are, right. I mean, listen, if you come to this country illegally and you commit a crime, Get out. You're done, as far as I'm concerned. But people who are seeking asylum legitimately from, I mean, go, you know, go back to Honduras. I mean, well, and Guatemala. People, yeah, I mean, when was the last time anybody listening vacationed in Honduras? Right. I know, mean, people are running away from who wants to go there. Horrible circumstances. And, you know, we our our job, I think, is, what we stand for as a country is really to um, embrace folks who are struggling and suffering and fleeing somewhere that's horrible. And, and then treating them the way they're being right. treated. There's a so, way to right. do it that is totally, you know, we've been doing, people have been coming over the border for years and years and years, obviously, and there's a way that we've done it in the past that hasn't obviously been like this. Right. And well, to we have, have to this happening is, is beating horrible. our breasts here. We're going to tell yeah. how you're going to raise money and what, where okay. that money's going to go as right. soon as we come back from a commercial break. This is David Nellis with Sam Nellis on Foodie and the Beast. A humanity-minded Foodie and the Beast today. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast. David Nellis with the erudite, urbane, makes up words. Sam Nellis. Uh, invents in, words. Invents words. The word inventor. That's right. That's right. All well, words are invented. There's only some money in that. But we're talking to Diane Gross. Uh, Diane, um, of course, is the co-owner of the Cork, and what, what, the Cork Experience, the Cork <laughs> Excellence, the Cork... Uh, the, I don't even know what empire is really probably the best word. Thank you. I, I appreciate um, that. Uh, but she's also got a heart. And uh, when we get back to this, let's talk about the event. The event is tomorrow. So the event's tomorrow from 530 to 730 can at Cork Wine Bar. Yes. If you go to corkdc.com, you can donate um, and get a ticket to come in. The chefs and restaurants we have are Tail Up Goat, Centralina, Pizzeria Paradiso, The Colada Shop, Estadio, Hank's Oyster Bar, L.A., Riss, Little Coco's, Buttercream Bake Shop, Bright Proper Brewing, St. Anselm, District Fish Wife, Taqueria Nationale, and Johnny's Half Shell. You had me at buttercream. I, I know. She's doing these brownie <laughs> bites, too, that are going to be divine. Um, and the four organizations that we're helping are Angry TS and Abuelas, which actually started last year. Which means angry aunts and grandmothers. Yeah. Started last year. Um, 11 women using their own money to help kids at the border. Um, kids in Need of Defense, which is called KIND. Capital Area Immigrant Rights Coalition, which is a local coalition that works, gives lawyers to kids who are in detention and who are sent here after they're in the detention centers, and the Legal Defense for Immigrant Families Immigrant Defense Project. So some lawyers, some direct some more direct services, humanitarian work, all happening at the border or with kids who are being removed from the border. How much is a ticket? Uh, tickets start at $50. Okay, and all and you proceeds can give as much as you want. Go, yep. And the give, proceeds give, give. go directly. There's no administration costs. Everything is being donated. Wine, beer, food, space, all being donated. Terrific. Um, my staff is working as volunteers to help out. Um, and so all the money just goes through a website directly to the organizations. And um, they will get big chunks, hopefully. Our goal is $50,000. Um, and that means the world for these smaller organizations. Mm, all right. Bless you for doing this. Great. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate being able it to It is talk my about it. pleasure, and it'll be my pleasure to talk to Beth Cover from Wardman Wines again because she's pouring crazy wines. <laughs> this is delicious. What are we drinking here? You I mean, are... look at the color of this. That's not even, I mean, it's it's like royal burgundy. I don't even know what, <laughs> what, the, what is that color. It's stunning. It's sort of a 
I mean, it is like a dark purple, Gorgeous. purple blue, red. I mean, it is, it's a, it is concentrated. Maroon 5. There we go. <laughs> what a maroon. Uh, we, what, what, so what are we drinking? Well, so the, most, the thing that I get most excited about is the diversity in the wine world and the amazing people that put their heart and soul into the work. This is actually made by an 82-year-old woman in Tuscany who's been doing it all of her life. Where in Tuscany? We're in San Gimiano. Oh. So it's, where all it's the towers San Gim- are. Yeah, we're in San Giovese, but she also uses an old recipe for Chianti. So there's white wine blended in and co-fermented with this red grape. This is delicious. I have to tell you, the, the, the craziest museum in the world is in San Gimignano. It's a torture museum, and they have all the devices <laughs> from, from medieval times in there that people were used to you know, trying to get the word out of them. Mm. And apparently they're all still in use around the world somewhere, which is really <laughs> terrible. This is fabulous. Well, if you're looking for something to go with tomatoes, this is particularly good with tomatoes. Well, we, so. You know what? I'll get, I want to find out more about this. We're on our way there in a couple of months. Lovely. Officially. Yeah. Do you want to come? I'm not coming. Come on, man. <laughs> All right. So uh, have we, we haven't really finished talking about the club. I want to make sure people understand like what they're getting out of this because it's really a good offering. So $75 a month does get you $75 worth of wine, three bottles. But in addition to that, you do get two tastings that would normally cost $10, plus half off the seminar that happens once a month, as well as just the, the detailed information that we give. We want people to have the food pairing ideas and information about styles so that they can have an experience in their own home, make a nice dinner, and enjoy the wine. How do you decide, I mean, how do you pull the wines? Is it like a red, a white, and a rosé every time, or? It's a great deal of angst and <laughs> a bottle distress. Of angst? No, it's just that we had to choose from all the amazing producers we work with throughout the year. So we just try to give people what we're most excited about that month. All right. And so. before I let you go, I noted in, in the information you sent, you've got a, an Italian wine event coming up, right? Yes, we do. Actually, we, the winemaker for this wine is going to be with Stellina pizzeria in August, and then we have another Italian winemaker coming to the store at the end of July, July 24th. That's Alex, Alexia Capolina Per. Meeting Lingieri. these folks. <laughs> meeting these folks. Yes, is... meeting the people is amazing, and you get to really understand more about the wines when you get to meet the winemakers. Yeah, we there's a, a actually, do you know Pardi Wines, P-A-R-D-I? They're out of Umbria. No, I, I do mean, not. I mean, we were there, and we, and we, you know, we went, and, you know, most of these winemakers Everybody thinks of winemakers and they, they think of Mondavi and it's like a factory. You have tiny little family operations in a, a barn and a, a, you know, a nothing next to the house. Right. And making the most incredible wines. Yes. This is what we seek all the time. Yeah. So, so this is great. All right. Well, let's tell everybody where Wardman Wines is. Wardman Wines is one block away from the Brooklyn Metro. We are located right next to the Barnes & Noble on Monroe Street. Um, and, and we are, yeah. All right. Good place to be. All right, yes. Eric, I'm going to bring you back to the, the microphone because I just want to make sure people know how to get in touch with you and, and yeah. just recap very quickly what they're getting because it's a really incredible, between you and Janelle, an incredible Yeah, offering. Yeah, sure thing. Um, and thanks again for having us on. Uh, so pensionplate.com, uh, P-L-A-N-T. Sorry, let me start that over. P- He's <laughs> a great chef, but spelling but terrible is spelling. a challenge, P-I-N-C-H-A-N-D-P-L-A-T-E.com. <laughs> Um, I myself, um, Chef Ajapong, C-H-E-F, um, A-D-J-E-P-O-N-G.com. And um, yeah, we offer an intimate uh, dinner party experience um, at a venue of your location. Um, we pack up, we clean up um, as if we were never there um, and really just offer uh, something unique to D.C. diners and 
people who like to eat. Yeah, I was wondering when you were talking before about you know really where you know sort of where your head is you know from a, a culinary perspective. Yeah. What if what happens when somebody says we really want. Um, Nordic food. You know, we want a Nordic <laughs> menu. You know, we want a lot of char and some ice. Right, yeah. Some, I mean, what, what, you know, do you encounter that? Or uh, thankfully, no. Um, I, haven't, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't met anything like that yet. Um, but I'm always up for a challenge, and um, I'm, I'm definitely a food nerd. So if there's any way I can get into another cuisine and, and learn about it, and cook on the fly, and they can have my interpretation of it, then I'm down for that. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> and congratulations on, I mean, you you really, you, you, you ran the numbers at uh, Top Chef. Yeah, I almost made it through. Almost did it. You know, almost is good enough. Yeah. <laughs> I've almost won a couple of competitions. That's true, right, yeah, yeah. It almost feels good. It almost <laughs> feels like I won, right. Really? Um, almost, almost. <laughs> Feels almost as good as winning. Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody uh, who was on today. This is a nice show, and I appreciate it. Uh, this is David Nellis. Do you have any parting words, Sam? Any? Any? Yeah, you can come see me uh, in the Ricky Competition Finals on July twenty right. eighth at the uh, at Jack Rose. If you want to hang out with me and uh, vote for me for uh, coolest guy. I would I would just suggest you hang out with him, but don't vote for him. That would be my that that'd be my move. All right, Sammy. Thanks. Uh, and Nikki, if you're listening online, hello. And he was great. I don't know. You may not have to come back. <laughs> I think she should probably come back. All right. <laughs> so this is David Nellis with Sam Nellis for Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back live next week at uh, 11 on 1500 AM. Join us, join us, join us. <laughs>